I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. So welcome back. Gary, we're going to uh, just start today with our kind of a roundup of what's taking place in the NBA, but then we're going to switch to baseball. There's some big uh, things happening there, and I know you want to talk about a particular trade of an outstanding baseball player who plays in the West Coast for the Rockies. And uh, as always, I'm going to start with basketball. And yes, I've talked about Andre Drummond a lot, but I did not realize Believe me, I did not realize that Andre Drummond is, he's not from Connecticut, but he grew up in Connecticut, in Middletown, Connecticut. Now, why do I bring that up? Because in the paper this past week, he gave, I believe, 400 winter coats to a charity. And it's not the first time that he's reached out to charities in the Middletown, Connecticut area to give generously to various causes. And, and I know I've been talking about him for his being a great basketball player because I do like him. I, I think that, you know, when you look at the Cavs and you'll say, hey, they're not supposed to be a playoff team. Now, right now they are. They're, they're in the seventh spot. But you look at players that were cast away, like Larry Nance. The guy's leading the league in steals. And you look at Drummond, who has been a leader in, in the rebound category for so many years with the Detroit Pistons. And he played for Connecticut, UConn. But, and he continues to lead the way in rebounds. He's getting about 15 rebounds a game, 14.7, number one in the league. But he's averaging 18 points a game. And he is also doing well in other categories, as, such as steals, such as block shots. He is just having a great start of the year thus far, Gary, and I, I have to acknowledge that. But I wanted to point out the fact that he did his giving to charities because, uh, you know, that's a great thing to do. So I'm acknowledging that. But switching gears very quickly, you got to go to those Jazz. They've won 11 in a row. 11 in a row as they sit on top of the Western Division with a 15-4 and four record. The Clippers are doing well. They're 15 and five in second place. The Lakers are 15 and six, doing what's expected. But then that number four team in the West, I just don't know how they're doing it. And I'm going to have to check out their roster a little more closely. And that is the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, they have Morant on that team, but they're eight and six, won six games in a row. And the East, Gary, the, the 76ers are leading the way. Uh, the Nets, however, are coming on strong with a four game winning streak. The Bucs are hanging in there, even though they had a couple of setbacks last week. They're 11-8. The Pacers are 11-8. Celtics lost two in a row, including a very close game to those Lakers uh, this past weekend, Gary. A game in which I think that if they had had it to do again, they would pull off. I mean, you're not going to have Kimball Walker shoot one for 12 on a regular basis. He's just coming back from an injury. And if he had more of a normal Kimball Kimba Walker-type game, well, they would have won that game. You had 30 points from Tatum and I think 28 from Brown. You know, so they, they had a good game, but they fell short by one point. When you look at duels in the NBA, Gary, I'm going to just digress for a second. When you look at duels, that Brown and Tatum duel is quite impressive. Brown is averaging 27 points a game, and Tatum's averaging about 27 points a game. It's a great duel. 
And yes, you have the James Harden Durant duel, where, where James Harden is averaging about 24 and a half points a game in the 17th spot overall. And then Mr. Durant is averaging 30.5, the number two leading scorer in the NBA. Always have to give some love out to Beal, averaging about 35 points a game. And this past week, Gary, his wife said he wants out. He wants out. It's been too much to take. They've played 15 games as of our recording, Gary, and they've lost just about all of them. They've only won three games, the worst record in the NBA, and he is the leading scorer in the NBA. Then the bad teams are still bad. Timberwolves are struggling. They've lost three in a row last week. Uh, they're 4-14. Four and 14. I'm still somewhat surprised by the Pelicans, Gary. They're 7-11 they're and 11 in the 16th spot at this point, but... You know, the other day I was picking on Alonzo Ball. I, I like, you know, I don't know. I, I picked on him. And, you know, his numbers aren't all that bad, Gary. You know, he's, he's averaging about 12.2 points a game. One of the leaders in steals, 1.5 steals a game, gets about 6.1 assists a game and six rebounds a game. That ain't bad. So uh, it's not great. It's not something you write home about. But it does say he deserves to be in the NBA. Another player that I love to talk about, and I've talked about him repeatedly over the last few weeks, Gary, is Julius Randle. Averaging 22 points a game, 11.1 assists a game, and six assists a game. The Knicks are right in there. They're right now, if the playoffs were held today, they would be tied with the Hornets. And so they're right in there for that number eight spot, and I hope they can get the eight spot or even higher and make the playoffs. So that's my recap for this past week, Gary. I, I just wanted to point out, the fact that for Cleveland, they are doing well with not just Drummond, who I talk about every same almost every week, but Larry Nance is doing extremely well for them as well, as far as steals leading the league. And uh, you know, they're they're right now right in the thick of things as far as being a playoff team. Yeah, well, based off of the standings that I see right now, I think the Cavs are in a very unique situation. Because the Cavs have three centers that all can start for any team in the league right now. And there's a specific team out there, which is called um, LeBron's team, mm -hmm. the Lakers, that needs a center. Mm -hmm. They cannot protect the rim at all. And they could be one of those teams that could go after JaVale McGee. Uh, another team that needs a center mm -hmm. rim protector is the Brooklyn Nets. So we'll see what happens um, with the Cavs if they continue to play at this level. And remember, yeah, Kevin Love right. is not playing. He's hurt still. If they're able to continue to play at this level, you know, they could be a dangerous team. Or if they start to mm -hmm. fall a little bit, they're a good buyout team for a lot of other NBA teams. Also, just a note, yes, I am a Knicks fan, but unfortunately this is, you know, the wrong year to fight for the eighth spot because <laughs> in typical Knicks fashion, it means absolutely oh, nothing yeah, because of right. the play-in right. tournament this year. It doesn't mean anything. So if they're fighting for eighth spot, they're probably not going to make it because what the Knicks do. But just looking at the rest of the standing, I think at this point in the year, we're seeing a lot of teams in cruise control. And now at this point in the yep. year, we also know they the will. bad teams. Yep. They're going to stay bad for the rest of the year. We know that. They're going to be bad for the rest of the year. But it's the teams in the middle that we don't really know a whole lot about yet because they haven't lost confidence in themselves fully yet. What do you so think we'll about those? What do you think about the Mavs, Gary? They're, they've on. gone into a tailspin. Lost five in a row last week. They're eight and twelve. You know, Dasik is still doing well. You know, he's averaging twenty-four point seven points a game. But you know, it doesn't seem like he's getting a whole lot of help. And the team is, you know, they're struggling. When you look at the Trailblazers, you know, they got their dynamic duel. You know, McCollum is averaging twenty-six point seven points a game. 
And uh, Lillard is averaging almost 30 points a game. So they have one of the best dynamic duels that you have in the NBA. Let's not forget about Leonard and George over at the Clippers. Yeah, Leonard's averaging 25.8 and George is averaging 24.0. And so they're solidly in that with a 15 and 5 record. But the Mavs just seem to be, you know, just fading away. And, and I've said this about the Pelicans, even though, you know, Zion is averaging 23.9 points a game. Saw him play the other day on TV. And Ingram is averaging 23.6. They're the 19th and 21st best scorers in the NBA. And I talked about Alonzo uh, playing fairly well. And they are fading. You know, so uh, the West is always a little tough. Yet you saw those Rockets. I badmouthed them for I don't know how many weeks. And they ran off four or five games in a row. And they're now at 500. And so it's going to be an interesting, I agree with you, that middle, the middle tier group, group of teams are going to have to really, you know, fight it out. You have the Spurs in that group. You have the Warriors at 11 and 9. There's no question that the Warriors have welcomed back uh, Draymond Green, who was almost in the top 10 in assists, Gary. Draymond Green averaging almost seven assists a game. So to go along with, obviously, Steph Curry's 27.7 points a game average. And then, of course, I can't leave out the, the people that we kind of always leave out because everyone else talks about them all the time. That is LeBron James is averaging 7.5 assists a game while averaging 25 points a game, which is impressive, as well as Anthony Davis's 22.2 points a game that he's averaging. But you're right. They need somebody who can get some rebounds for the Lakers. <laughs> right now, they don't have anyone really in the top tier of rebounders. But the dynamic duel of, of LeBron James and Anthony Davis are putting up the points and uh, you're shooting a very good percentage. No way. No way. I think that when you, when you look at the fact that the uh, 76ers are, are doing so well with a 14-6 and six record and Embiid is putting up numbers that are far better than LeBron and is, and is working with a team that is not as, in my estimation, not as talented as the Lakers uh, because Ben Simmons doesn't you know, score plays good defense, he handles the ball well, passes the ball well, but it's Embiid's team, and he has been outstanding this year. Better numbers than the, the, the former MVP, which is the Greek Freak. He's doing better in every category than the Greek Freak. So, no, I, I don't see how he should be in a conversation at this point. I also didn't talk about him much today, but Jovic is definitely uh, someone you got to keep an eye out on. The Nuggets are right behind the Lakers at this point, 11-8 and eight, as far as their record is concerned. So, no, I think there's a number of players that will be in the hunt. And let's not forget about <laughs> We always seem to, to forget about him. That is Durant. I mean, he's being extremely efficient, getting over 30 points a game. So he's done an outstanding job. I don't think past MVPs like Harden will be in, in the race this year, even though he's leading the league in assists at this point with 11.1 assists a game, the only player who's averaging double figures and assists, and James Harden's averaging about 25 points a game. But I think the jury's still out on the nets because, we, you know, they got the threesome, so to speak, that they can put on the court that are full of potential Hall of Famers. And we have to see how well they play together. They did come back this past week with a four-game winning streak. Well, let's, let's see what happens there. So I do not see LeBron James as being the hands-on favorite for the MVP award this year. And I don't see him as uh, being above two or three players at this point. So top five, possibly. I, I'm not even that high on him for the top five. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I wanted your opinion on it because I have not watched a lot of LeBron James games this season. Mm -hmm. So obviously I don't think he's the MVP. 
I don't think he even should be the front runner. I think it's just ESPN using their propaganda to promote LeBron James, which is fine. That's what they want to do. But I think the Lakers should be in first place in the Western Conference, not yeah, the Utah Jazz. I agree. Go, go Bears having a great year. I mean, he's, he's a, always been a remarkable defensive player, having been defensive player of the year in the past. But he's getting 14 rebounds. He's, he's blocking a whole lot of shots every game. He, he's playing solid basketball. And we have to acknowledge the fact that this year could be the year of the big guy, of the, the big man, because there's a lot of guys who are playing the center position who are doing it in an extremely efficient way and are doing it in a way in which they are leading their team. They're leading their team. So that has to be remembered. And the Lakers, as you mentioned before, really don't have a, a, a solid center at this point. You know, Gobert's getting about 14 points a game and 14 rebounds a game an assist and a half a game and blocks. He's doing a very good job. And the team is winning. He won 11 games in a row. I mean, that's <laughs> talk about a rim protector. You got one when you got him in the game. That's for sure. So I haven't been watching a lot of LeBron James games this season, but ESPN has LeBron as the front runner for the MVP. So dad, do you think LeBron should be the front runner right now? So let me answer your Dallas Maverick question. One is, you know, there's a few reasons. The first mm-hmm. reason is I still think Porzingis is still injured right now. The second thing is Seth Curry. And I know Seth Curry may not sound like a big loss, but Seth Curry is probably mm-hmm. one of the top three best three-point shooters in the league. And he really spreads the floor out for Luka. And it just showed that Steven Salas, who's now the coach of the Houston Rockets, was the assistant coach for the Dallas Mavericks last year and ran the offense for them. And they had the greatest, you know, statistically offensive team in the history of the NBA Mm -hmm. last season. He's not there anymore. And maybe it's time for them to hear a new voice on Rick Carlisle. He's been there Mm. for a while. And maybe it's time to hear a new voice. So we'll see with Dallas as the year goes on. But, you know, Dallas still has the talent to make a run for, you know, to just get in the play-in tournament. Because, again, some teams are going to be just competing just to get into the Mm play-in tournament, which is the seventh seed to the tenth seed. And some teams are just going to be wishing that they mm-hmm. weren't in that position, like the Portland gotcha. Trailblazers. I would be remiss. Obviously, I talked about them earlier, that being the 76ers, playing great basketball, the 14-6, and two-game winning streak right now. They're in first place in the East, and they Embiid is, is playing like an MVP candidate. He's averaging about 23, 28.3 points a game, the fourth-leading scorer in the NBA at this point. And he's averaging 11.1 rebounds a game, which is the eighth best rebounder in the game. He's doing extremely well. And I think he's putting up MVP numbers right now. So it's been interesting, the, the start of the of the season. But I think that, unfortunately, you know, you look at the teams like the Pistons, and they were 5-14, and 14, and the, we talked about the Wizards before, Timberwolves. And there's some really bad teams in the NBA as well. So Charlotte is not one of them. You know, they're in the thick of things. Uh, I'm so happy that Gordon Haywood is is back after that horrendous injury he had a couple of years back here. He's averaging 23.2 points a game and is playing a very uh, instrumental role in the 9 and 11 Hornets. So once again, right in the thick of things as far as potentially making the playoffs. And let me say one more thing as well, You know, just going back a little bit because you mentioned uh, this player. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm not a fan of this player, Draymond Green. You know, I'll tell you this right now. I'll trade Draymond okay. Green for Lonzo Ball right now. I'll do it right now. Because you mentioned a great point. How many points is he averaging? You said he, he's in the top oh, good 10 point. Good point. <laughs> it's not more than six points a game. He's getting paid $25 wow. million a year to average six points a game. So, Ooh. 
So trust me, if Golden State could, you know, he's only known for two things. He he is a great passer for his position, and he's a good ball handler for his position. But he's really known for passing and yelling at James Wiseman right now, and that's not going to help anybody at all. So you know, but that's just my opinion on Draymond Green. I'm not a Draymond Green fan. All right, so I want to switch topics because this trade happened um in the NFL. Believe it or not, we've been talking about Deshaun Watson a lot, and no, Deshaun Watson was not traded. But it does change where Deshaun Watson could go. Matthew Stafford was traded to the Rams for Jared Goff and two first-round picks and a third-round pick. So Jared Goff's going to the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. I like that Stafford guy. I like Stafford. I like Stafford. But he's put up some phenomenal numbers. He has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. And, and you know, playing in Detroit's tough. They, they, they just have a way of messing up things up there in Detroit. So, uh to be on a team like the Rams, I think that's a step up for both teams. And I think that's going to make them a very strong contender for a Super Bowl appearance, having a quarterback of that caliber. Yeah, I agree. And in my opinion, uh, Matthew Stafford makes the Rams the best team in the NFC right now. Obviously, the season, this season's not even over yet. But if the Rams had Matthew Stafford this year, I think they would be playing, you know, they would have been playing in the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game against Tampa Bay. Because Matthew Stafford would have oh, been yeah. a lot better in the snow because he's used to playing in the snow because he played against he played against the Packers and the Bears, and you know he's not as old as you think he is. He still has plenty of time left, and with Sean McVay, who's his mm-hmm. head coach, who's a you know offensive genius per se, you know he's gonna be able to do a lot of things with them. And the Rams had a top ten defense this year, in my opinion. In one player's case, it's not debatable. The best defensive mm-hmm. player in the NFL and probably mm-hmm. the best corner in the NFL on the same team. So the Rams are definitely going to be a competitive team. And from the Detroit Lions perspective, I feel bad for Jared Goff, but at least you get two first round picks. And hopefully the you know, well, Detroit I Lions, think that you know, it could be good for the Lions up. as well, Gary. I, I think Goff is a solid quarterback. I know that, you know, we saw him with a bad thumb. You know, that's I hate to you know, give him that alibi, but he was kind of, he, he's injured and he still, he, he toughed it out. He toughed it out. So it could be good for the Lions. Hopefully it will be. I I love that division. I think it's a fun division when you see the, the Lions and the Packers and the Minnesota and the Bears. I, I love that division. I used to call it, the, it was one of the toughest, always been one of the toughest physical divisions in football. And I hope they, hope they do well. I hope it works out well for both teams. We're both not fans of this guy. Well, let's just say this one more thing, because you know. But now the NFC North Captain second Kirk. best quarterback is Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Now that Matthew Stafford's gone, Kirk Cousins is now the second best quarterback. Well, I, I, Gary got me speechless on that one. But anyhow, I'm not a fan of Captain Kirk, but you may be right on that. Time will tell. Time will tell. But what this does is that it opens up Deshaun Watson's a trade value because on the football team in Washington, the Denver Broncos um, and the Jets mm-hmm. are all going to be interested in him. And now they may have to give up even more to get him because Matthew Stafford got two first round picks, a quarterback that led you know their team to a Super Bowl and a third round pick for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. And we all know Deshaun Watson's better than Matthew Stafford. So now these teams are going to have to go overboard and a certain <laughs> team needs a quarterback because he can't pick one to save his life. Uh, <laughs> And he needs a quarterback bad, and this is the easiest way to right get a quarterback that, that can help you win. So that would some mean games, that so. Denver will probably not get him. So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> but you're right; he needs a quarterback. 
but I'm, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be able, if they're willing to put put together the type of package that Houston would feel would be appealing. So he can go where he wants. I tell you, I would not want to go over the Jets, obviously, but um, I don't think anyone wants to go to the Jets. But, you know, he, the football team, you know, could be a good place for him. I like the football team's coach, Alex Smith. You know, I thought the world of his, uh, how courageous he was all, all year this year, but we know that, um, unfortunately, his playing time may be limited, and he may be better in a backup role at this point in his career. That could be a great, great situation for for both uh, Watson as well as for the football team. So I, I kind of hope that he ends up with the football team, but we'll see how that plays out. I can't believe a Cowboy fan is, <laughs> is suggesting well, that the Sean Watson should yeah, go to sure the Washington, Washington football team. Team, uh, Look, I'm loving this. Right quarterback's going to be next year, so that's another story. So, and my my allegiance to the football team has been, um, you know, it's not a real strong allegiance. I'm a new a, a newly found fan, but but um, it's largely due to Dax Prescott because I because I really do like that Dax. But so it could change, and just like um, you know, things have changed in the past on other teams that I was following. If the Cowboys do not do the right thing with Dax, I you know. I'm, I'll be happy to follow uh, Mr. Watson over over with the Washington uh, team. Um, but I, I hope and expect the Cowboys will at least, um, what do they call it, tag, franchise tag uh, Dax. I hope they give them a full-blown contract, a long-term contract, instead of going with that tag status, Gary. But we'll see what the Cowboys do. So it, it should be interesting what Jerry Jones does with his uh, – quarterback pick for next year. We we know that the situation is not was not a positive one, even though they were up to the last day, still in the running for a playoff spot. That was out of default out of the NFC least. And yes word, I said least, not east. <laughs> oh, all I have yeah, to say right. is come on home. Come back to you know come back to the Giants. Come on well, home. Well they should be interesting next year when they get Barkley back and that, that should be <laughs> we still have space, you know, on the boat. So come on. <laughs> Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University UVA, and Hampton University will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. Yeah, so, um, you know, for all the listeners out there, we don't really talk about baseball that often, but in this case, I want to talk about it because one of the top five baseball players was just traded to the St. Louis Cardinals from the Rockies. His name is Nolan Arenado, who's probably – well, not probably. He is the best defensive third baseman in baseball. He's won a gold mm. glove every single year he's been in the league, which no other player has ever done that. But So, Dad, I have to ask, how do the Cardinals keep getting great players like Nolan Arenado? <laughs> really, really, and a bunch of guys well, I think no they're, they're knows, one of those teams, Gary, that has a great, a great management and ownership. And it has been like that since since the 60s. They used to drive me nuts all the time. The Cardinals would be in the, in the World Series, and 
they play against the Yankees like they did in the, I think it was '64, and then, then they they would they would always have that element that would just be enough to always beat out all the NL, all the other NL teams, and then they would always give the American League fits because they would have a Bob Gibson or just outstanding pitching, or they would have just a phenomenal defensive team. They've always had a solid defensive team. And they don't have anybody who's going to hit 60, 70 home runs. Yes, McGuire was on the team for a while and he had a lot of home runs, but that was a steroid year. But for the most part, they always manage to be able to put together a very solid team based mainly on a very sound scouting system to be able to draft great players and to be able to develop those players in their minor league system. And so the Cardinals, I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a two- or three-year stretch in which they have had a record below 500. And for many years, they have always been in the hunt for a playoff spot in uh, the NL East. It's just um, maybe not the East. So now they've, been, they've, been, they've been moved now. I think they're probably in the other, in the Central. But they have always been there. And I, I would attribute it more to their organization. They seem to do the right thing and evaluate players appropriately. So when they trade someone or when they make a deal, they're usually going to end up on top after that deal is over. And this was a great pickup. So they they have picked up a guy who is the best at his position, a man who has had 40 home runs repeatedly over the last few years, a man who has knocked in well over 100 RBIs in the last few years, arguably one of the hottest most consistent players in baseball today. If he played in Los Angeles or New York or Boston, he would be a household name. But that does not diminish the fact that he is a superstar. And so I look forward to seeing him play for the Cardinals. And since they wouldn't face my Yankees until the World Series, yeah, I could take that. <laughs> and of course, I did mention McGuire. You know, he's a steroid guy, but Pujols, who just recently hit over 600 home runs for 600 home run this this past year they've had that one player typically who would just be so far above everyone else and now i think they've traded for that one player who right now is far and above most of the nl players he's going to be what pujols has been for so many years with the cardinals then he was obviously pujols was traded to the american league but yeah the cardinals just seem to put together the right type of mix. I remember when they had Luke Block, who was an outstanding Hall of Famer, had more stolen bases than anybody in the history of the game. They had Kurt Flood. They had Ken Boyer. They've always been able to, to put together the type of team that would mesh together well and that would cause people fits and would have a solid pitching staff from top to bottom, starters and relievers, to be able to compete to the point where, more frequently than not, they would be in the hunt for a playoff spot or land in the World Series. Don't forget to subscribe.